0: I'm Agnes Kurtzels. I'm Whitney Winter. And my name is Claire Horning. Welcome back to the Ag Knowledge Podcast. This week, I talked with Cindy Bryson, who is a UNL Extension
1: agent, about organics, GMOs, and food nutrition in general. And then I'll be coming back and we talk with Whitney and Claire about the same subjects with GMOs versus selective breeding and more about food and nutrition.
2: Okay, so I'll just let you introduce yourself. Okay, my name is Cindy Bryson. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist with Nebraska extension. I work in Douglas and Sarpy County. Uh, I work with local foods. I work with food safety and um, food nutrition and health. So kind of a little bit of, of everything. I work with schools and do school enrichment and um, teach food safety certification classes to restaurant managers and daycare providers and, just do a little bit of everything. And the last year and a half I've been working uh very closely with the cottage food system in the state of Nebraska so people can sell foods from their from their homes.
1: So when I emailed you, I asked, you know, about GMOs and organics and everything is becoming a big selling point, I guess. Uh it's on a lot of labels and stuff. So how do GMOs affect
2: everyday life, I guess? <laughs> So what I what I think a lot of the things we need to think about with labeling whether it's GMOs or hormones or whatever it's is what are they trying to market? So for example, um you might see chicken or you might see pork that says hormone free. Well, Hmm. All chicken and all pork are hormone free. That's because they can't add hormones to chicken and pork. So, so it's a, it's a, a marketing ploy to try to set one, one type of food or one, you know, one producer above another, not necessarily producer, one manufacturer above another. Um, it's, it's, we try to talk to people about, think about corn oil. You'll, you'll look at a bottle of corn oil on the grocery store shelf and they will say cholesterol free. Mm-hmm. because cholesterol is only in animal products, not in vegetable products. But again, it's another marketing thing. And if, if you are, you know, somebody that's not thinking about that, and you walk down the aisle and say, hey, this is cholesterol-free oil, so I can use it as much as I want, that's the oil you're going to pick. Regardless that, you know, it, all the vegetable oils are cholesterol-free, and it's still a fat, and you still have to be you know, use it in moderation. So, GMOs, that's a word that scares people. You know, we use GMOs for, for a lot of things, and we have for a lot of years. And, and GMOs are actually one of the things that um, producers have, have used that has been so extremely tested and, and, and verified and retested. And it, but it still scares people because it's like, oh, you're messing with the DNA or you're messing with genetics. Um, you know what what they're doing. If you think about it, you know, not only is GMO something we use for crops, but how do they think we get some of the vaccinations that we're using now? How do you, you know, some of those things? So I think GMOs need to be looked at from the standpoint of, you know, what what are the what are the things they're going to do? They're very safe. They've been proven safe. They've been proven safe thousands of times um, we use it so we don't have to Gmo crops so we don't have to use pesticides so we don't have to worry about crops being decimated by by bugs or or heat make it more heat resistant or more nutritious so we can feed more people with with uh, more nutritious food so GMOs are used for a lot of a lot of reasons and um, you know I, I think that they're very positive I think that we need to think about, why they're being used and not, not, well, am I going to grow a third head if I'm eating a GMO, um, you know, potato or.
1: And does that go back to like the fear-based marketing that like, because people aren't doing the research of like what a GMO is or how it affects people or anything like that, that companies are able to, I don't know, make a bigger profit because like you see organic foods or something like that, and they're charging more because of the label.
2: Um, so fear, fear. Um, lots of marketing uses lots of things and fear is a big one or preying on, you know, you don't want to feed your child this because, well, you know, or that's, that's a big organic marketing. You know, organic food has a place at the table to feed people. Organic food cannot feed the world. So it all, conventional, organic, all these things have to come, hydroponic, have to come to the table to feed people. So or thank goodness, organic, conventional, they're all choices. So is organic more nutritious? No. Is organic more expensive? Yes, because they have to do... They have to do other things to make sure that their food is, is actually labeled organic. Um, Can they still use pesticides? Yep. They still use, they don't use synthetic pesticides, but they use, they use other things that, you know, um, they might use manure. They might need for, for, you know, adding nutrients. They might use, there's lots of things that they could use that could still, if they were used incorrectly, could be harmful. So, What, what we're all trying to get at is healthy, nutritious food to feed people. So organic is a choice and it does cost more because, because it's a niche crop that our crop that, you know, that is going to, is, is going to take a little bit more money to, to, um, to raise it's kind of like brown eggs versus white eggs. They're both nutritious. They both have the same amount of nutrients, but brown eggs are a little more expensive because it costs a little bit more to feed that variety of chickens. That's why brown eggs are more expensive, but people will tell you, oh, but brown eggs are more nutritious. Uh, I don't think so. You know, if you look at the nutrients again, but it's a marketing thing. It's, it's, you want to feed your family better. So if you're a good mom, you're going to feed them brown eggs. If I'm a good mom. I'm going to use eggs. They're a really great source of protein, regardless of their brown, green, white, doesn't matter.
1: so how how can we educate people about you know GMOs and organics or all these labels and how to interpret them, I guess?
2: Um I, I think that I think that people need to do a little bit of research. You know we are a, what I would call, Um, a YouTube nation. You know, you want to learn how to tune up your car, you go watch a YouTube. Well, I think the, the thing, the thing that we're seeing as far as ag, and and I really try to um, promote ag. I really try to promote that farmers are, are the most incredible people in the world because they are, they are, it's not the little guy in the overalls, you know, it's this farmers have to be scientists and weather forecasters and, and they have to know about chemicals and, and, all this, I mean, they are incredible people. So, so I try to really promote that. So when I, when I talk to people about um, GMOs or hormones or antibiotic resistant or anything like that, it's like, you know, all you're reading is something that somebody that's trying to scare you is promoting. So, you know, the sad part is, is that you know, farmers are so busy producing things and and animals and crops, you know, that they're really trying to also be on their social media, things like that, advertising to try to tell people, you know, they are good consumers of the land. They are. these Most of these farms have been in these people's families for years. Of course, they're going to be cognizant of making sure that what they're doing is sustainable and it'll last for another 300 years. Um, But but that's not how they're being portrayed. You know, farmers are bad. Um, Beef is bad. Beef is going to cause the world to collapse. And, um, you know, and that's just not true. And when they look at, you know, beef has a huge uh, carbon footprint. But when you really look at the carbon footprint of beef, it's so incredibly small that even if you got rid of all the beef in the world, it would make no difference. Mm -hmm. but let's stop driving cars or or flying jets for a while. And let's see how that works. So, but that's a whole nother story. (laughs) One of the things that we did in the state of Nebraska about 10 years ago um, is we did, we were involved in a NASA study and about the same time, um, there was another national study going on and it was, they asked the same questions. They wanted to know what consumers thought about food, food safety. How does that affect you? So we thought, Okay, consumers are strictly, they want to know about GMOs, they want to know about hormones, they want to know about antibiotics. Those are the things that we need to focus on. When we got the survey back, and then we saw the national survey too, we were amazed. So what people really want from their food, first they want it safe, that's number one, regardless of what you eat, organic, non-organic. Two, they prefer it local, which is great. You know, wonderful. We have so many crops in the state of Nebraska. Let's support these producers. And then three, they want it cheap. So, in the top three things that people wanted from their food, nowhere was antibiotics, GMOs. Probably maybe three percent of the population that that was what they what they were wanted to know about and what they were concerned about. So, um, you know, we we want to educate people. We want them to make their own decision. Isn't it wonderful that you can choose organic or non-organic? They're both good for you. You know, great. Eat produce. As a dietician, I'm going to tell you, eat produce. Um, You know, support your local farmer. Woohoo. Go to a farmer's market. Go to the grocery store. Buy some fruits and vegetables. You know, but but think about other things. You know, you should be more concerned about washing your produce when you get home than if it was organic or non-organic. It's still, if it has dirt on it, it could still contain botulism. You need to wash your produce with water. Those are the things that we're really trying to to get out to the public in many, many ways.
1: How would um, the consumers go about sorting facts and myths like within the food market?
2: That's hard. That's hard. Um, I, I guess choosing, you know, choose choose what you're what your hot button is. You know, if you really think that organics is the best way to go, then maybe make the best of your food dollars and choose which organics you think would be the best. So there's always, they always talk about, you know, if you're going to buy organic, then buy fruits and vegetables that are hard to wash. So if, if you're worried about pesticides and things like that, then buy organic raspberries or strawberries or things like that. But the thing I guess people need to do the research about is, is that, No producer is going to put pesticides on their crop if they don't have to. It's all very scientific on how they figure out if they're going to treat their crops or not. And it costs them a lot to treat their crops. So they're not going to do it if they don't have to, because that's just more money out of their pocket. You know, they don't want to put pesticides on, but they also, if they do do it, they put it on safely. Pesticides have a half-life, just like any chemical we put on our garden at home. If we put something on our tomatoes, it says, please do not harvest with for so many days. Well, farmers' chemicals tell them the same thing. So there won't be a pesticide on your food. There won't be, um, it, you know, an antibiotic in your mouth. There won't be anything like that that you will be eating.
1: You mentioned you're a dietitian. So how can we best evaluate the nutrients that we get in our diet?
2: I always go back to um, I, I think that it's pretty simple. Um, my plate tells you you should have every meal. Half your plate should be fruits and vegetables. A quarter of it should be protein, and a quarter of it should be carbs. And then have a glass of milk. It is really that simple. And and I know people are like, no, that's not how it works. Well, it is. If you if you logically <laughs> sit down and look at your plate and go, okay, instead of having a sixty-four ounce piece of meat, let's <laughs> let's have a little more moderate piece of meat, more moderate carbs. And then let's, let's add some more fruits and vegetables because, you know, we're supposed to get five to what, five to eight servings of, of produce a day, you know, how many people do that and, and dairy and, and you should have beef is good. Pork is good. Chicken is good. Fish. All of that is good. You shouldn't have to cut that out of your diet, but again, moderation. And, you know, if, if you think that it's too much, it probably is. Um, You know, we sit down and look at, think about serving sizes. A serving size, you know, if you look at the serving size on the back of a a container like pasta, serving size might be a cup, not a plate. So, you know, let's, let's think about, okay, I have a, I have a son who runs cross country, you know, and he, he runs seven, eight miles a day and, and the amount of calories this kid burns and his team burns is incredible. And watching them eat and eating carbs is almost scary, but they need that. You know, I'm an I'm a, a middle aged woman. I don't need that many carbs. It's you know I'm I'm not gearing up for anything. So I think moderation. Reading the back of of your spaghetti container. Reading the back of, you know, what's a serving of this. So I I think just getting back to basic things is helpful.
1: What should ag producers understand
2: about nutrition and consumption habits? You know, I think that ag producers get it. I think that they do. I think that they understand that the product that they're producing, whether it be cattle or, or pork or, or corn or soybeans, you know, I think that they're trying to raise the most nutritious and they're using science to do it. You know, um, I think that, you know, 20, 30 years ago, we were raising cattle that were a lot higher in fat and and pigs that were a lot higher in fat. But now now we're raising leaner meats. We're raising, you know, we're we're doing an excellent job. We're raising more cattle on less land in less amount of time because we've used science to do that. And I'm not talking about GMO, you know, people get concerned, Frankenstein meat. That's not what this is. They're using they're using science and research based information to raise healthier cattle for us, healthier pork, things like that. So um, I think producers get it. I think that there's just a big disconnect between producers and consumers. And and I'm hoping that that's where um, that's where people like me come in, where we can educate people with, hey, you know, this is this is great. Look, Let's look at this. I two years ago, I spent a summer on um, on on. pork pork producers, uh, with beef producers. I spent um, with dairy. I I trudged around in people's cattle lots. I went to, you know, indoor pork places that you had to shower in and out of. Um, I think that if people really understood where their, where their food came from, I think that they'd be, they'd be amazed and and they wouldn't be so fearful and it would be good. So if you get a chance to visit a farm or somebody who raises crops, go, ask questions. Farmers are more than happy to have you, you know, to answer your questions. You know, don't just walk on their farm and you might be arrested, you know, but but <laughs> appointment. But but I think that that's one of the things that we can promote is like ask a farmer. They're you know, they are so knowledgeable.
1: Well, and I think I went to a um Cattle, or uh, I think it was Cattlemen's Beef Association a couple of years ago before COVID. And unfortunately, I don't remember who the speaker was, but they said something that was interesting to me is that farmers also have families. So they're not going to produce food that's going to be harmful to other people when they're feeding the same thing to their own families.
2: And that is so true. You are. You, have, you are so true. That you know, this is not only their livelihood, but this is what they eat, too.
1: So I know there's not very many GMO products
2: out on the market. Do you have a list of them? I do. So um, the GMO crops that we grow and we sell in the United States are sugar beets, which make granulated sugar. Canola, which we use obviously for canola oil. Um, uh, corn. Uh, let me see. Uh So the GMO corn produces proteins that are toxic to insects, but not to anybody else. Um, Potatoes, summer squash, soybeans, cotton, papaya. You know, I don't think we raise a whole lot of papaya in the continental US. I think that's more more Hawaii. Um, There's a certain variety of apple that they have made a GMO apple that when you cut it, it doesn't turn brown, which is how cool is that? Um, And, and some alfalfa, which they use to feed cattle, mostly dairy cows. Um, But it's resistant to, um, to herbicides and, and it, it actually helps. So, you know, they can get rid of weeds and they have better crops. And, and so, so a lot of these, you know, a lot of these things that we see are, are, are just there to make them, you know, to make the crop better, to make it more nutritious, to make it more sturdy so it can stand up against pests because, you know, pests, pests are mutating on their own and they're causing their own problems and, and we just need to stay one step a, uh, ahead of them. Well, and
1: it sounded like some of those GMOs are actually helping reduce the use of pesticides and herbicides because they're changing the genetic formula so it isn't so palatable for insects.
2: Definitely, definitely. And and this is something that that is used. One of the things that we teach when we teach food safety is we teach pest management. And one of the things that pesticide people, like in your house, um, that the products that a a pest control operator might use are things that are not harmful to, to pets, not harmful to adults, but they specifically are targeted towards that pest, like a cockroach or a mouse. And it specifically targets one thing, like it won't let them, it won't let them with a cockroach, for example, there's a chemical you can put down that's not harmful to the environment, not harmful to anybody or anything, except a cockroach. And it keeps a cockroach from shedding its exoskeleton. So. So instead of every time a cockroach has to grow, it sheds its exoskeleton and grows a new one, instead of that, it explodes because it can't it can't grow a new exoskeleton. And guess what? There goes the population of cockroaches in your restaurant or your house. Again, it is hurt no one but the cockroach. And that's what uh, that's what these GMOs are doing. It's not harming anybody but that bug or that, you know, that pest or um, it, it really is. You know, it's just one more tool in our box to raise healthy food. Um, so uh,
1: is there uh, I know like the extension office has a website. Are there a lot of um, papers and stuff that people can go and or
2: resources that people can go and find on that website? um there are there are probably um, one of the I'm trying to think one of the places that we use. Let me see. I think it's FSIS has a lot. There's, there's so much, if you type in um, if you type in GMOs, you're going to come up the first, you know, probably the first 20 things when you type in a Google search for GMOs is going to be um, probably things that are anti GMOs, which, you know, again, everybody has a, everybody has a, a choice to make, but um, there's, I can't find the website right off the bat. But we do have stuff on our website. Um, we do have things on um, we we work with Nerfsi. Nerfsea is part of the university um, where we're working with local producers and local ag. Um, we the food food.unl.edu has a ton of information on there, food safety, things like that. So so yeah, there's lots of things. Depending upon what you're looking for, there's a, um, an author that I just love. Her name is Michelle Payne and she talks about food bullying and, and I love her books. Um, you know, she talks about how people will, there are, there are more people out there food bullying you, trying to get you, sway you to buy this versus that. than there are, than there is research-based information because those people are just, you know, they just, um, there's so many. So I, I think that we need to be vigilant. Don't be bullied. You know, if you want to feed your family healthy foods. That's great. Do it however you need to do it. If, if it's organic, that's great. If it's conventional, that's great. If it's non-GMO or GMO, that's great too. But, you know, um, think about in the 60s, they started irradiating some things, you know, and people thought, well, if, if my food is irradiated, I'm going to glow in the dark. Well, now it's 2021 and guess what? That's been going on for 61 years and nobody's glowing in the dark. Nobody's gotten cancer from, um, you know, irradiating. If you irradiate strawberries, it it there's no pest control involved because irradiating them kills any pests. And guess what? It extends their shelf life. So your strawberries last longer. So I, I think that, that people need to stop and think about, you know, there's a lot involved with raising crops and, and food. So, there, there just has to be a lot of tools in our toolbox to help us do that.
1: Um, well, do you have anything else that you know?
2: I am? I am just uber passionate about this subject. Um, you know, I, I try to work with local producers. I try to work with, um, like I said, the, the beef industry here in Nebraska, you know, the corn board, the, all these commodity boards are, are wonderful. They just want to get their they just want to get their word out that, that their product is safe and they are good stewards of the environment and they, you know, they're doing the best that they can and, and they are using science and research and, you know, it's, 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 I think that we really need to tip our hats. If you see a producer, you need to shake his hand or her hand and say, thank you. We, I appreciate that my family had bread today because you grew, you grew wheat and, um, we had a hamburger today because that beef you raised was great. So, uh, I, I, think that, I think we really need to stop and think, am I being bullied or, or what's the truth? So, you know, if you think you're being, being bullied, look it up. You probably are.
1: Well, how, um, how have we seen nutrition from COVID because a lot more people, you know, restaurants were closed and a lot more people were cooking at home. So did we see like any difference between, you know, more people doing research or maybe more people focusing on those
2: niche markets? Um, to, to a little extent, I think. Uh, I was just reading something the other day. It was kind of funny, actually yesterday, it was an article saying that um, during COVID people were really intent on wanting to eat healthier. And since they were eating at home, they probably were, but <laughs> the, the one thing, but the, but the things that some of the things they were looking for, like the increase in the amount of butter that people bought went up exponentially. I'm like, okay, you know, butter's good, but in moderation again, but, but I think that um, I think that people appreciate you know there are certain things that they would get at a restaurant that they wouldn't get at home or couldn't make at home. But I, I think that more people are cooking now, which is great. I think more people are their demand for products is is great. You know um, the amount of people that want to try um, non meat burgers has has gone up. You know is it do I think it's ever going to replace beef? No. But I think it's an alternative, and I think it's a choice, and I think if, if that's the choice you want to make, I think it's great that there are products out there. I, I'm glad that we all have a choice. So, you know, I, I think that again, it goes back to what's the best for your family. Um, I, I did a, a news, a, a live thing on TV a couple of years ago where I walked around a supermarket and showed the the producer, you know, here here are places you can be bullied. You go to the dairy, and it shows you know, this is, you know, non-hormone dairy. Well, guess what? All your dairy is free of hormones. Um, So, so it's just places, you know, watch the marketing, be, be cognizant of that. Um, You know, again, don't buy, don't buy vegetable oil because it's cholesterol free. So, you know, buy canola oil because that's your choice.
1: Okay. Well, thank you for, you know, allowing me to interview you for the podcast. You know, I, we've, done a couple podcasts where, you know, we talk about, um, how GMOs, you know, are affecting the markets with, you know, people buying into the niche markets and stuff. And so it was interesting to get, you know, a professional standpoint from a dietitian.
2: It's, um, like I said, I, I think that I think we need to go back to the source and talk to the farmer because those are the guys that have the research and the ladies and they're doing a great job. So thank you for having me on today. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank you.
2: So thanks again
1: to Cindy Bryson, but just to go a little bit more into detail. So GMOs are genetically modified crops used in agriculture and the DNA has been modified using genetic engineering methods. And then usually it's to help with drought resistance, pest resistance, Stuff like that. But there's only 11 GMO crops commercially available in the United States. Soybeans, corn, sweet and field corn, uh, canola, cotton, alfalfa, sugar beets, summer squash, papaya, apples, and potatoes. Mm-hmm. I didn't know potatoes was on the list. I didn't was really know papayas were yeah, on the list. Yeah, I was going to say
0: papayas was surprising <laughs> to me.
1: Which GMOs go through a very strict process. Again, they're not just like, here's a new product. Of GMO corn. Like, let's just put it on the market without any testing.
0: So can you kind of explain the difference between, um, like, selective breeding and GMOs and how those processes differ? Because I feel like those get mixed up a lot.
1: Yeah. So selective breeding is basically you're just letting it naturally happen, but you're choosing the parent. Parent. So especially with... We'll just use corn because that's a pretty big, like, GMO product right now. So way back when... Corn looked very different from how it does now, right? But people began selectively breeding corn before GMO and all that technology was available. So they would take a product of the corn, like they would take the pollen and they would hand pollinate oh. the corn. And then you would take that product and then you would continue to like selectively take plants that you would want the characteristics of, and then you would continue to like take the offspring, right, of that and continue to that process. Whereas with GMOs, you're actually taking the genome of that product, corn, and you're actually breaking it down and then changing the DNA DM- essentially but basically it's just taking like with corn they made it drought hardier Mm -hmm. so they've taken like certain other like from other corn crops that have you know proven to be more drought tolerant and incorporating it in other corn types Mm -hmm. that's the biggest part and also, also like with selective breeding, you see that more in livestock it's a lot harder in plants so that's why now you're seeing like genetic engineering of it because, again, you can use one seed instead of, you know, making a
0: whole field and hoping for the best. Mm -hmm. So especially you were talking about earlier, um, GMOs can make things like pest resistant and stuff. So that could also save costs in the long run of buying pesticides and watering more and all that kind of stuff. So it's a little bit more efficient of a process as far as that goes, which is why it's a really big technological advance or – yeah
1: biological advance whatever and it also goes with organics organics are still used with or still grown with pesticides the only difference is that it's not a synthetic pesticide it's there's no like health change or benefit of one of the other it's just again if you want to eat that that's fine and that's your choice it's it's amazing that we have all these choices that you can choose from. But we also have to realize that, you know, some people don't have the opportunity to get those products that organic food does cost more because it takes more in production and takes more man labor and everything like that. Mm -hmm. So some people don't have access to that. And I don't know, the fear based marketing that's really big right now, especially when, especially like on um, like milk cartons, I see where it says hormone free or Mm -hmm. antibiotic free. It's like, yeah, all, all milk is all of them are free of, you know, antibiotics. But I
0: also think it's funny cuz people get prescribed antibiotics all the time. You have antibiotics when you get sick and you you're fine. <laughs> yeah. I understand that it's – you're consuming something that has an antibiotic. But I – obviously, again, everything is tested and it's not like you can just take whatever medicine and that's going to make you sick. That's not at all how that works. Right. you –
1: the livestock
3: can't have – with the milk, dairy cows can't have any trace in their system when they go to a lot.
1: But when the cows are milked, all that milk is tested – And then if it even has a little bit of a trace of an antibiotic, the whole tank that that milk has touched has to be dumped. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no exceptions at all. So you'll see in some cases where farmers are dumping whole tanks because the farm previously had antibiotic in the milk Mm -hmm. and they didn't realize it. So, again, that's not getting to the market. Yeah. I mean, it's tested multiple times in multiple different stages. Yeah.
3: And even if you do have livestock that you're giving that to, you're not going to be like, oh, let's milk them that same day.
1: You're going to let it get
3: out of their
0: system first. Like, you're going to be keeping track of all of that. Exactly. And have your cow tagged and know who's getting what and for Mm -hmm. what purpose and how long like it's not just like let me just throw some in the feed and then go (laughs) and have at it yeah and like most
1: times they remove the animal because if you're not feeling good
0: you don't want to get anybody else sick
1: you don't want the other cattle to get sick Mm -hmm. and then you also are going to be like i'm going to give this cow special attention because it's obviously not feeling well yeah
3: but a survey done about genetically modified food and like public perception a minority of like the respondents in this survey just a little over 11% said that they understood GMOs and the technology that it takes to go with it but a lot of the respondents obtained their information through the internet and through like media coverage mm-hmm. and almost all of that media coverage is you know predominantly negative towards GMOs they don't show like this is what it is it's like like, like you said a fear-based market
0: what? Where did you get the survey from, Whitney?
3: It It's a survey done by Kai Chu and Saren P. Shoemaker from 2018. Okay. It's on NPJ, Science of Food.
0: Did you have something by Pew Research, too, that had a couple of statistics on it? From Pew Research, from a 2020
3: article they saw that over half of the United States adults, 51%, thought that GMOs are the, make people's health worse because they're consuming something that has been genetically modified or has something with an ingredient that has been genetically modified. And then 41 they says they're, they don't change it, they don't do anything bad or good. And then 7% of the survey said they are better mm-hmm. with their health now that they consume gmos
0: interesting that's, exactly
1: that's an interesting like statistic to look at because that goes back to farmers needing to not promote but like have s- some pr have some mm-hmm. pr you know this these statistics are kind of skewed because like if you ha- no have no background in that and you're not a scientist you have no idea what's going on and that goes
0: back to fear-based marketing so real quick, I'm just going to explain what PR is. PR is public relations, and it's basically the image management and like spreading the word about a company or organization and what they do and kind of the benefits of them. So PR is a really big thing, a lot of places, and I feel like agriculture is a field where we really see a lack of PR when that could be extremely beneficial to how things are perceived. Like GMOs is a great example of having, of where having a good PR And image management would be so helpful to help inform the public and build better relationships and have less negative connotations and misconceptions when it comes to how those things work and how consuming them can impact you.
1: Back to the fear-based marketing point though, when people are constantly buying these products just because someone else told them to or because you see a label and it's like GMO free, well, automatically, if you have no knowledge of what a GMO is or even products that are GMOs, you're going to be like, oh, does that mean GMOs are bad? And then you're more likely to pick up something that says, you know, GMO free. Yeah. And that same goes with like for organic or hormone free or anything like that. And the Pew Research
3: um, that they did with this 2020 survey, the increasing number of people who thought GMOs made their health worse, from 2016, it was only 39%, which is super high itself, to the 51% from their latest, Mm -hmm. which is an exponential growth in three years.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. It just kind of makes you wonder how people are picking up that information, like, What media sources are they using who's posting about GMOs. And like Agnes Mm -hmm. said, like even just going to the store and seeing that, that would probably trigger a negative response. But then again, you would maybe go home and Google it. And what's the first thing that comes up on Google? Is it positive or Mm -hmm. negative? Or if you go on social media, like Facebook or Instagram, is it a positive or negative, I guess, thing that pops up on your search bar, which is obviously a lot of people are getting information on social media now, which is kind of a benefit and a negative because obviously you can get information a lot faster there are reliable sources on social media platforms but it's also so easy to just like photoshop stuff and interpret things and post them and no one really goes through the effort of fact checking them because they're just scrolling 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 and it's whatever catches your attention which is not the greatest way to consume media from a critical standpoint. You really want to break down who's writing it and for what purpose, what audience are they trying to target. All those things are really important to think about when you're looking for sources, looking at news, looking at how things are presented to you. Also, if those
3: sources are reliable and are they trustworthy, do they know what they're talking about?
0: Well, because even like you can create an image that you don't have in real life so you can say you're this and say you're that and in reality you may not be any of those things but who's gonna question you you know what i mean yeah like if i could say i'm a doctor and i'm with the youngest genius ever and people will believe it just because i say it even though that is not true at all Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's really it's really important to find no yeah find a balance and know what you're consuming, and kind of stopping to question things when it seems like it might be a little suspicious <laughs> or, or um, biased in some way, you kind of got to be like, okay, take a step back. Do I really trust that? Is this person who they say they are all that good stuff?
3: And I think this goes back to the PR, the public relationships with agriculture. Like we need to implement something with a baseline. Like, we needed to long ago, but we need to start doing it. Because I think most of our PR is, like, crisis management. Yeah. Like, something bad happens or something negative towards the agricultural Mm -hmm. industry has been perceived through the media or whatever, and we are trying to take our image back. That's crisis management.
1: Yeah. So I get that. Because, again, like... I feel like most farmers are like, I don't care, like have the I don't care attitude of like they don't know what they're talking about anyway, so Mm -hmm. I'm not going to like worry about it. Someone needs to be there and be like, no, actually, here's the actual, you know, credible sources that you should be listening to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
3: And my this Pew Research uh, survey said that women are more likely to believe that GMO foods are worse for your health than men. And I think it's not because of women and how they perceive stuff is because they're predominantly the people that are buying it
1: for the households. Say,
3: oh, it's because they are doing the shopping for the entire household, and so they're the ones consuming that media and purchasing those foods that are maybe labeled as non-hormone or GMO-free. You know,
1: I was gonna say because if you watch like food commercials and stuff, mm-hmm. they're targeted to women, oh, specifically definitely. mothers. Because, um, again, they're the ones that usually go and make the grocery list and Mm -hmm. go shopping. So when they are seeing, you know, commercials that are saying GMO free, organic, hormone, antibiotic free and everything, that sets off red lights that like, oh, my kids could get sick from that. Mm -hmm. But like I mentioned with um, Cindy, farmers also have kids. They're not. They're not trying to a product that they're is not going to harm you. They're exactly.
0: not gonna give you anything that they themselves would not feel comfortable consuming,
3: right? And like with the dairy farms, a lot of them drink that their own milk.
0: Yeah, go to the
3: store and buy different milk. It's like they're consuming their own product. They wouldn't be making or consume producing, sorry, anything that's harmful to the public that they're consuming themselves
0: because their name is on it at the end of the day their name is on it and when your name's on something you want to put out a good product right i'm not going to put out a research paper to a hundred people with my name on it and have the first word misspelled
1: oh this was a long time ago but there was a whole thing of brown eggs being better than white eggs there's literally no difference
3: Exactly. there's no
1: difference there's no nutritional difference there's nothing different except the color of the shell and Brown eggs are usually more expensive because of that, Mm -hmm. but also because chickens that lay brown eggs usually take more feed. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. There's no difference. And I mean, I still
0: see stuff where like, oh,
1: brown eggs are more nutritious. And it's like, where? Sometimes I just
0: (laughs) wonder, sometimes I just wonder, like, who comes up with this stuff? Who's out there just like, you know what? Brown eggs are healthier and I'm going to tell everybody (laughs) about it. Like, where do you come up with some of this stuff?
1: And you know, it could have just been perhaps that you know, if they were doing a study and they're like brown eggs are better, it could have just been that those chickens were fed a more balanced mm-hmm. ration or something. You know, there's that would maybe a little bit more
0: premium food.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. we're like. Yeah, that's obviously going to affect yeah, it. There's maybe a, not,
0: a, some more factors influencing yeah. that outcome. It's than, not that
1: necessarily yeah. it's
0: more nutritious. It's just mm-hmm. those chickens were fed better.
3: Yeah, <laughs> it's just like farm fresh eggs versus store bought eggs. Yeah, like uh, we have chickens at home, and I can tell you ours are much richer. They have more flavor than store bought. Because after you eat farm fresh eggs or locally raised ones, you just you can tell. Yeah, that the food that they're feeding the chickens that you get the eggs from the store, aren't as probably high quality because they're fed so fast so so they can produce faster. Mm-hmm. So you can have a higher volume of products. And then they're probably not treated like pets. Yeah. Because people with farm fresh eggs... Those chickens are pets.
1: Well, but also the farm fresh eggs chickens, usually they're out, you know, scratching. They're Mm -hmm. eating bugs. They're eating anything they can put in their mouth. Which adds nutrition. (laughs) Yeah. And most chickens and chicken barns that are laying eggs are only being fed a grain. What they're giving. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. They're only being fed corn. They're not scavenging. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So... Again, like, that goes back to the actual, like, what are you putting inside
0: or what are you feeding the chicken Mm -hmm. to produce the egg? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing I want to touch on while we're talking about, like, like nutrition stuff. I feel like nutrition and diets is such a complicated thing to think about. And this whole thing just reminded me of that. Have you seen, like, Keeping Up With The Kardashians? No. Yeah. It's Kylie Jenner and then Scott in the car. And they're talking about, like, being gluten-free. And Scott's like, I don't know what gluten is. Do you? No. Does anyone?
1: <laughs> oh, man. So oh my I, just goodness, think,
0: goodness. I just think it's kind of funny because, like, some of these concepts are kind of complicated and they're difficult to understand, like, especially, like, carbohydrates, stuff like that. Like, there's a lot of science that goes into understanding what that is. And if you haven't taken any more than, like – basic biology, like if you haven't majored or done extensive study into that stuff, it's hard to understand. And I think the general public just kind of isn't, not that they're not well educated on it, but just they're, yeah, there's just a lot of like assumptions thrown out there Mm -hmm. about it without actual um, learning and educational tools to back those things up. So I think that's where a lot of the issues come into as well, just because of how Kind of complex some of these ideas are, and how we're trying to think of. Well, I want to be healthy, and I don't really understand this. But what I know about it um, has a negative connotation, so I'm going to try to avoid it. I feel like that's kind of the thought process that goes on. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like I asked
1: Cindy, you know, like how can, how can you best get the nutrition? And she said that the MyPlate, which I. Like, Cindy explains it a little bit. But it's basically a graphic that they use to explain, like, serving the sizes. Portions. Oh, like, at, portions, like yeah. at
0: school when it divides up the plate into yeah, different yeah. sections.
1: Well, because it used to be a food pyramid, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we're like, that doesn't make sense. The kids don't understand that. Well, and it, it didn't make sense in general. Yeah. Because um, they put eggs with dairy. Yeah. That was weird. That was a little bit weird, if especially if you knew um just a nutritional standpoint it
0: was a swing enemies it, it was
1: <laughs> and, and now they have the plate with like it has the
0: divided um, section yeah it's and
1: divided stuff. in like half of half of the plate is fruit and vegetables a quarter is protein and a quarter is a uh, carb like bread or something and then there's like a cup of dairy which mm-hmm. is yogurt milk whatever mm-hmm. and i think it's people don't pay attention to that because they feel like oh that's like a kid thing you know like that's Mm -hmm. for kids in school that see that every day and like here's how like what you should be eating to be healthy and it's like no that is for everybody yeah i mean it's not good if you're only eating you know fries and a hamburger it is applicable
3: to all ages (laughs) (laughs) and it was introduced during the obama period with michelle obama she turned the pyramid into my plate something that kids and adults alike could visualize like this is how much fruit i need this is how many vegetables i need this is my protein serving size well,
1: like this is what my plate should look yes. like mm-hmm. because again a pyramid my plate's not shaped like a pyramid exactly. it makes no sense other than eggs
0: are not a dairy, dairy product yeah. there's <laughs> yeah. all sorts of issues <laughs>
1: well and it didn't really make sense because when you think of a pyramid you're like okay the bottom is like the foundation that's what i should be having the most of mm-hmm. and i think like grains were on the yes, bottom or something grains were on the bottom of and that. It's, like,
0: that's not how it should be. And sugar yeah. was on the top. And I think it was grains, protein, vegetables, fruit, and then sugar at the top.
1: Yeah, and that, it didn't make sense from a nutritional standpoint. What about fat? Because I know that's part.
0: You have to have so much healthy fat also. That was part of, was that at the, I think, I can't remember all the sections of it. That was either with the carbs, if I remember correctly, or it was with the sugar at the top again, this is like my six-year-old memory, yeah. so I'm digging back into my brain archive. so if that is not how it actually looks, I'm so sorry. Well, because, well, see, I never heard of the plate, because ours was like on a
1: tray, because we used trays at school. We mm-hmm. didn't use a plate.
3: Ours was a tray, too. Yeah, yeah. so
1: ours was like split up on the tray, Yeah, and no one followed it, but you know.
0: <laughs> we had to at our school. Like, if you didn't have a fruit or a vegetable, they'd make you go back and take yeah, one. Yeah, we were ours, supposed but, to do that. But the thing is, even if they make you go back and take it. You didn't have to eat Ain't it. Ain't nobody going to eat it. And that can –
3: that leads to food waste, which is a whole other thing. Yep. Yeah. We'll dive into that another time. <laughs> I think fats are now just, like, in with the protein with the MyPlate.
1: Okay. Yeah. But, yeah. That would make sense.
3: I because mean – like, you can't have a fat-free life. You have to have those healthy fats. Well,
0: yeah. what's the two – there's, like, there's trans saturated. fat and then saturated yep. fat. And the difference between those is kind of the big... Well, one is process. One can be processed
3: through your body. And yeah. one can't be broken down as well. Or at all.
0: I cannot remember the difference between the two. I think trans fat is the good one. High
3: school was a long time Don't ago. Don't quote me on that. But I
0: think <laughs> trans fat was the good one.
3: Um, saturated fat is the unhealthy one. Oh, called it. <laughs> but it also says trans fat is also one of the unhealthy ones. Well, it's- because saturated and trans fat are the ones that are solid at room temperature the saturated ones that are the things that are high in saturated fat aren't so they're like butter and like oil yeah. cheese like well, red meat
0: everything is good in moderation exactly yes. even like vitamins and things that are good for you you can't take too many vitamins you're gonna overdose exactly. you're gonna od on that stuff and that's not good for you yeah. either you have to the balance is so important which is again Why we need PR to be able to tell people, hey, this little kid plate, not only for little kids, it's for everybody out here. Well, Mm -hmm. and
1: even if you feel like, well, maybe it's not right for you, go to a registered nutritionist or dietitian and they'll help you Mm -hmm. find a meal
0: that's fit for you. I think I feel like diet is such a bad word, but everyone has a diet. What you eat is your diet. Mm -hmm. period so going on a diet does not have to be this horrible thing where you starve yourself going on a diet should be you maybe have to eat more than you would normally eat you have set times you eat you have a certain meal plan or meal preps that you follow at least some guidelines it doesn't mean that you can only eat like cranberries or something like twice a day at these certain hours and then drink eight gallons of water like that's not what diet should mean diet should mean you have a not even like a set plan but at least an idea And maybe keep track or take notes and just make sure you have meals planned out in a healthy way at good times and make sure you're hitting all those boxes or segments of your plate and just making sure you're getting everything, maybe taking a multivitamin if you um, are lacking like calcium or something else like that that you don't normally get in your diet. But just it's just trying to keep you healthy, but it doesn't mean starve yourself because that's not good for anybody either. So building off the uh selective breeding
1: GMOs, um Whitney and I went down to UNL to the uh Women in Ag conference. Heard, heard that, that. And we had the honor of listening to Temple Grandin and she mentioned a couple of times that the pig industry right now is suffering because our selective breeding for Pigs to have more piglets led us, or and for like leaner meat, led us to having problems with um, pigs' feet and uh, conformation and structure because they weren't paying attention to that when they were selecting boars and gilts to breed. So now we're having problems with um, pigs' ability to walk and just get along well, like Mm -hmm. walking wise. Because their feet structure is so poor that it's hard for them to walk, and I'm—I mean, I'm talking about like a you know 400-pound sow that doesn't know how to walk. That yeah, doesn't know how to walk anymore because her feet hurt when she walks, which is a loss of production because now you have to put down that pig that is only two years old that could have been having piglets up till. I don't even know how long they Probably keep them in sow barns years? anymore. Probably something like that, six years. But yeah, selective breeding can go the opposite direction of like what we're, the goal is. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess technically they achieved the goal. It was just they overlooked that one. Part. They overlooked parts that now. Are having issues i know that with cattle there was a big problem with herfords because we were breeding them so short like structure wise they were getting so short like cattle Low like, to the ground yeah like you couldn't slide a five gallon bucket under them they were so short and now we're like doing the opposite of like making them so big and it's happening again with their feet and even with their um eyes because with herfords they have white faces and it causes, or people have seen, they have higher pink eye rates because the white face attracts flies. Mm-hmm. So they're seeing like problems with that. And then again with leg conformation and everything like that. So we're trying to breed better
3: or Trying like, to revert some of yeah. those mistakes I would we've say made.
0: Another example is like even in chickens, like they want the breast meat to be so big that the chicken literally like... Can't Face talk. plants, yeah, mm-hmm. because it's so heavy, and I feel like yes, you want that meat and you want that extra production, but you're just gonna shoot yourself in the foot, yeah. if you don't consider the whole structure and not just the end product, yeah. well, and
3: they're bred in such a short amount of time, yeah, and they grow so fast, yeah. they literally their legs will break, yeah, under the sheer weight of how much they've grown in months
1: yeah another thing with um beef cattle were that we were breeding them so lean like the marbling Mm -hmm. so meat heavy like Mm -hmm. without the fat in it that now we're seeing like meat that is tasteless like it doesn't have any taste because that marbling is what gives it that flavor flavor and it also got tougher and it got tougher because it didn't have the marbling Mm -hmm. and so now we're having to um backtrack i guess and it's really hard to do because we bred all of that out. Mm-hmm. So Kind of
0: hard to unevolve something that yeah. you've evolved.
1: Well, <laughs> and like we're seeing, um, I had a professor at Northeast that I asked him, I'm like, why are we importing beef when we're exporting beef? Like it, it, it didn't make any sense to me. And he said, well, because our beef is so lean that we need the beef from other places mm-hmm. to mix with the lean meat to make hamburger because mm-hmm. it's such a, problem. It's such a problem, yeah, that we can't breed it or breed it back until we get those genetics back, which makes sense. But it's also unfortunate that we got to that place because, again, it was different times back then where like that was something that people
0: wanted. And then we realized we didn't want that. Mm -hmm. Um, But but it's hard to go back when you make a mistake like that. Like, obviously, it wasn't intentional, like people didn't really see it coming. But then again, it's hard Like you said, once those things are out of the gene pool, they're gone, period. So, I mean, thank goodness that other people still have cattle that are not selectively bred to that point that we can, you know, have the ability to reverse that. But if everyone was doing that, we'd be up a creek without a paddle. Yeah. And
1: again, that goes back to like selective breeding of like finding the beef gene that or not beef gene, but the beef line that has that good marbling that you want to breed back into the mass of that breed so i don't know something to think about i guess yeah (laughs) Yeah. and
3: with like um butchering a lot of the hamburger that's ground up has to have tallow added it's a fat
1: that you have to add because it is so lean we're seeing you know in stores they're selling uh wagyu is getting really popular Mm -hmm. because of their marbling because it's like crazy marbled yeah but
0: again that problem kind of goes back to like the being afraid of fat and like that kind of marketing yeah. stuff that happened like people didn't want to eat fat because fat is unhealthy no that's not the case Like yeah. is too much fat unhealthy yes ma'am is fat in your hamburger healthy yeah it is healthy for you and it's gonna make it taste better than yeah. just a hard slab of uh, gross. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I mentioned it with uh, Cindy, but a couple years ago, I went to a Nebraska Cattlemen's Conference mm-hmm. in Valentine, Nebraska. I think it was in Valentine. It was out there in Valentine.
0: You know, County. up over there, <laughs> out It'd there. In, you know,
1: middle of nowhere, <laughs> Nebraska, way out there. But there, like we listened to a couple speakers because that's what, what you it was. at a Conference. It was conference. <laughs> And he brought up the point of, like, the fear-based marketing has gotten, like, that bad where there was, like, that cholesterol scare where no mm-hmm. one was eating red meat because people that were not knowledgeable were spreading these narratives that um, red meat is so high in cholesterol that it, it's filling, it's clogging your arteries, you know, everything like that. In reality, it was like, no, if you're having a portion size, like a six-ounce steak or whatever, it's not clogging your arteries, It's, again, everything in moderation, Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: the best thing. But if you're having a six-ounce steak with every meal,
3: it might lead to something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In that case, you do not have a balanced diet. And you know what? You probably do have high cholesterol. Yeah. (laughs) But he,
1: like, mentioned a lot of different books that are great. Using the resources that actual reputable scientists Mm -hmm. give us will give us a better... I don't know, understanding mm-hmm. of what our nutrition should look like. Yeah. Which and
0: again, if you're going to those sources anyway, good one good on you. Yeah. But I think Agnes wrapped this up really good. Yeah. I think the moral of the story is don't like
2: go, use reputable yeah. sources,
0: listen to the experts, go to conferences, expand your horizons, don't just take things. As they're given to you. Because Mm -hmm. that's going to lead to some bad things. And then our other big takeaway. Is have a balanced diet. Because it's good for you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well and also it's like. If you have those questions.
1: And if you're like wondering. You know is this actually better for me. Or or something like that. Mm -hmm. Go to the farmer. Go to the scientist. Go to your extension office. And ask those people for resources. Or even just knowledge on that front. Because we're wanting to help you. It's just that. That's what they they're there for. To. That's their
0: job. Yeah. That's their whole job is education and outreach. So yeah. So that is, their purpose is to be helpful and educational to you. So and hit edu- them up.
3: Extension agents that work for the Extension's office. That's what they're there for. They're
0: educators.
3: Yeah. They're mm. literally there to help you. Exactly. <laughs> that's their entire job might be not entirely their job but a but, large
0: portion of their job <laughs> yes
1: exactly well it's not just for 4-h it's yeah it's for finding information on how to do canning and preserving and stuff because mm-hmm. i know my extension office was doing that and trying to reach out to communities and teach people how to preserve their food that they yeah. were growing in their gardens anyway find the resources but i think that's going to be the end of our podcast
3: Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Ag Knowledge. This podcast was created by Agnes Kurtzels, Claire Horning, and Whitney Winter as a part of Radio Production Workshop at Wayne State College. Tune in on Thursdays at 5pm for more Ag Knowledge and listen to KWC 919 The Cat on the TuneIn app. Previous episodes can be found on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes are released on Fridays to these and other platforms. Music is Surf Day by Marcos H. Bolanos, found on freemusicarchives.org.
1: The song was edited for the use of this podcast.